Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services. It's Thursday, September 20th, two days before Notre Dame takes on Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. And we got a lot to talk about here, guys, in addition to Wake Forest and Tempo and all the things that come with that. Um, you know, I think strengths and weaknesses. I'm looking at this as, you know, whose who's weaknesses are better than the than the other team's weakness, so to speak. Uh, and also we have some quarterback talk. Uh, apparently we have some quarterback talk to, to address here heading into this game. But, you know, as I look at this, Wake Forest has a better offense. Notre Dame has a better defense. I think that's pretty clear on both sides. Uh, so which of the weaknesses is better? Is Notre Dame's offense better than Wake Forest's defense? I would think at first blush, yes. Because I, don't I think, would too. I think Notre Dame's offense, though it will con- continue to be inconsistent, inconsistent doesn't mean consistently bad. I think people forget that inconsistent, you can have your ups and downs. If you play a defense that's vulnerable and you convert some of these second and eight situations you're in and make it third and two instead of third and eight, you're going to be consistent. You're going to have a very good day that day. <laughs> it's just you're not, I don't think they sustain it for nine games, but I do get the feeling that a game is coming here where Notre Dame's offense will be better than we have seen to date. Yeah, I mean, Wake Forest, they've hit 500-plus yards in all three games that they played. They've given up more than 400 yards in all three games that they played, including Towson. And last week against Boston College, they got shredded for 524. So, I mean, including 220 on the ground. So, I, there's that, if Wake Forest pass defense was god-awful, but they were really stout against the run. Then I would have a different opinion of the fact that Wake Forest's defense is, is just not very good across the board, which seems to be more of the, where they are right now. I, I really think that people are going to be impressed with Zeke Rodney, their nose tackle. He's really good, but one man can't do it all. And they've really, really struggled. And that's that's exactly why there's a lot of quarterback talk this week about who's going to start and who's going to play. I don't think that Ian Book is going to start, but I think that they're putting him in a position – exactly described by Brian Kelly in the preseason, that if they need Ian Book, they will use him. And this could be that type of game because you may have to score 35 points, and he probably gives them a better chance of exploiting Wake Forest's awful pass defense. I mean, Wake, I don't know. It, the whole, do you need to score more? I guess if, if Notre Dame is going to try to play a tempo or they're going to go to three out, Three and out as much as they have, and they've they've been really bad three and out. I believe they rank 117th nationally in three and outs. Um, then you're going to have to score more because your offense is sputtering. So if you want to sort of beat your offense to its own sputtering punch, then go with Ian Book because I think Brandon Wimbush we've sort of seen time and time again. Maybe you start Wimbush and put him for that first drive where you're averaging. I think I think they're averaging. 
10 yards per play on their first drive, and they're averaging four yards per play on all other plays. And it's touchdown, touchdown, should have been touchdown. Yeah, basically. so maybe maybe the secret is just play Wimbush for the first drive <laughs> and then go immediately to Ian Book like after they score the touchdown. And on third and 12, because no quarterback's good on third and 12 unless he takes off running and picks up exactly. touchdowns, right? That's, yeah, there's an oddity of Brandon Wimbush, the standard plays, getting to third and short, and then Brandon Wimbush... Well, we're in trouble here. It's third and twelve. Let's just drop back Wimbush and have him make a play for us. Because of all their long conversions this year, it's basically Wimbush making a play. Even his throw to Claypool, he ran around and made a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not necessarily how you want to run your offense. Is to have some magic on third down all the time. So I think what we talked about in the preseason, maybe they're finally doing it. Use Ian Book to your advantage. That doesn't mean under center at the three yard line only. You can use Ian Book to if things are bogging down, move the ball a little bit. Tim, you even brought up. Well, I don't know what the zone is called, but it's in between the uh, 30s, maybe. <laughs> There's got to be a name. Zone? There's got to be a color for it. <laughs> like, whatever the color is, it, between the, the 30s, areas, between yeah. the 30s, that's kind of when they bog down when they're hitting that range. Right. Uh, that's maybe that's where you can implement right. them. Yeah, um, yeah, between the 30s, that 40 yard range right there. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, we've talked about. You know, we've talked about John Wolford. I brought it up to Brian Kelly the other day, Tim. I know that you you know really loved the way he played. I think everybody did. He was he was impressive, and he brought. You know, he helped bring uh, or help keep Wake Forest in the game last year, but he's not there, and I think that's one huge difference. I like Sam Hartman. I think he's a feisty kind of you know precocious true freshman who just goes out there and thinks he's going to make plays, and that's kind of attitude you want a quarterback. But that's one big difference. And then the other one is that Justin Heron, their thirty-seven or thirty-eight game starter left tackle, is no longer there, and they've had to make some shifts. And the guy, the new guy to the equation, I think, is Nathan Gilliam. And he's actually playing right tackle because the right tackle, Jake Benzinger, um, moved over to left tackle. So there's there's been a lot of, of scrambling with the offensive line, not just the loss of one player. It precipitated several moves. And as we've seen at Notre Dame before, when that precipitates several moves, it can certainly affect the chemistry of the offensive line. I mean, Notre Dame's defensive line is really good. I don't – they – they played better than the stat sheet showed last week because they were held more than the stat sheet showed last week. But when it comes to Wake Forest quarterback, Sam Hartman does some good things. He's also thrown five interceptions already and is a 55% passer. Um, so you mentioned John Wolford, and, and that's all true. Like John Wolford had a really good game last year when he was a fourth-year starter. You know when we weren't talking about John Wolford? In 2015 when he started at Notre Dame and he went 19 of 30 with a pick. And had 15 carries for five yards. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone was surprised that Kendall Hinton was in the process of beating him out for the position. But I think once everything shook out, they they found out that John Wolford was really, really good last year as a thrower, as a runner. He he was outstanding, and um, you know they don't have to deal with that this year. But what they do have to deal with still is a really good group of receivers: Alex Bachman, who tore up Notre Dame last year. Scotty Washington, who's been hurt but probably will be back, who hurt Notre Dame last year. And then Greg Dortch, who was injured the week before they played Notre Dame and is just a huge threat in the passing game, a huge threat in the return game. And they've also added a redshirt freshman Sage Surratt to the group at, at wide receiver. Dortch is so much better offensively than anyone Notre Dame has played this year, is the best way to say it. He is, Greg Dortch would walk into Michigan and be the number one receiver without blinking an eye. I was He's pretty. Much better than Donovan. I was pretty impressed with, with. I was pretty impressed with uh, Kalijah uh, yeah. Lipscomb. I, I, I did but, like Lipscomb, but no, Dorch is the play after the catch, return man. I'm talking. You throw the guy out there, everything he can do. Dorch is a real weapon. 
It's not bad for a guy who redshirted yeah. at Wake Forest and now is in his third year, but only second year playing. That's just unbelievable. It is. You would, you would. It had to be a size issue completely. He's listed at 5'9", 170, so he may have came in at 155. Right. Who knows? Could it had to like be a size. Out, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah he, I think he's going to be a real challenge. But to, to back to the strengths and weaknesses, I think one of Notre Dame's strengths, Julian Love and Troy Pride, Gilman and Elliott maybe to a lesser extent. Um, Wake Forest might have a good group of receivers. Dorch is definitely a really good receiver, but I think their strength plays into one of Notre Dame's strengths. So it's as good as Wake Forest offense might be going against Towson and Boston College and uh, Tulane, where they won in overtime. I mean, I think that for some reason is completely overlooked at this point as Notre Dame is a very trendy upset pick this week. Um, Wake Forest has its own issues. And I, I think the best part about Wake Forest probably plays right into the best part about Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame's strengths are the the line, the linebackers, and the secondary, whereas Wake Forest's strengths are probably more the receivers and probably the running backs, but it's certainly not the quarterback and it's not the offensive line. That's a that's where I think Notre Dame has a, a sizable advantage in this game. I, I would agree, and, and <clears throat> I really like their running backs, Matt Colburn and Cade Carney. Cade Carney will absolutely try to run through a brick wall every time they hand them the football. I think we saw a little bit of that. Last year, so those guys are, you know, those guys you have to you have to pay attention to as well. I the interesting matchup though is, you know, Notre Dame's passing game against Wake Forest pass defense because that's weakness. Do they, do they do the pass defense there? What do they they try to okay. they 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 have stats that measure pass <laughs> defense, but their their uh, their rankings in the triple digits. So I mean, and 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 that just gets to my point that. That's exactly – if we're hearing a lot of talk about Ian Book this week, it's exactly what Brian Kelly described in the preseason, the situation that could arise where they need a spark in the passing game. And if you get in a shootout, I mean, if you if your defense is having a hard time getting off the field and Wake Forest takes a lead, you may need somebody to come in and spark the, the, the passing game. And, and Book would certainly make sense in that situation. And sometimes what it comes down to if you are defending 105 plays, although Julian Aquara had a good point. If you get them off the field, you don't have to play against 105 plays. That's a pretty good point by the junior defensive end. <laughs> but they will run. You know, even if, like, let's say Notre Dame gets a, has a good game and gets out to a lead, you're still battling that. Wake Forest is going to keep coming, running up tempo offense. And those late points, you don't want it to get hairy. You have, I think Notre Dame believes, I think their coaching staff believes, we better get away from Wake Forest. Is that fair to say? Like you, we bet, we, oh, you mean they can put some coming. distance? Yes, they can keep coming and coming. And well, coming that, that could tempo. be that could be a part of all the the Ian Book talk this week as well. And again, I I mean I, I don't expect him to start. There's there's conversation about him starting. I think that would be counterproductive to Brandon I Wimbush. I think it would be counterproductive to the entire balance of the offense starting the game. I don't think that that would be the right thing to do. Yeah, well, certainly Wimbush will score a touchdown in the first drive, yes. and, then, and then you can go to Ian Book. But, I mean, <laughs> Wake, Wake Forest defense, they've allowed 35 pass completions of 10 yards or more. Only 10 teams have allowed more than that nationally. What does Wimbush not do very well? Short passes. What does Ian Book do well? Short passes. What's Wake susceptible to? Short passes. I mean, it... it it all does sort of add up to, like, this is a game where Ian Book is going to run the entire offense, not just the Blue Zone offense. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't – I don't. I, I watch the game trying to think. I mean, they gave up a lot of big plays to Boston College. I, I don't – were they short passes that became 
long passes or were they, I mean, there was some downfield stuff too that no, they yeah, this is a, the the yardage I'm talking about is just like the total gain right is ten yards okay um, yeah. You know they've they've certainly given up some some huge fifty. I think they've given up a couple sixty hard passes as well. Um, and they interestingly enough, Brandon Wimbush and I think it's Anthony Brown is Boston College quarterback. They share a personal trainer and Madee Williams back oh. in New Jersey, so they worked out together. Well, Anthony Brown can wing it. He's come a long way since yeah, his early days. Him, yeah, huh? he's he, yeah yeah he can. <laughs> He, he's a he's a really good athlete, and he can he can sling it around. So how weird is it that Boston College's defense is weak and their offense is an explosive? It's just a strange thing of the last twenty it, years of watching that team. It really is, and I think it I I think I think that comes down to just not being fast enough on the defensive side of the football. I want to ask you this, Tim: If John Wolford was still the quarterback, who would you be picking yeah, in this I would, game? No, I would pick. I mean, he he really. Out. He fairly figured out college football, including after the Notre Dame game. They just lit it up. I mean, the bowl, where they scored 55 against A&M in the bowl game. Now, sometimes A&M's interest in games like that is pretty low. But Got they, Mike Elko hired. Yeah, there. that's right. Just, but he did. He he kept delivering after the Notre Dame game. He was absolutely on fire. I think yeah. it was 39 total touchdowns <laughs> and six turnovers. Yeah, Wolford would be a much bigger problem, so I thought it was funny when you mentioned Brian Kelly. Boy, their true freshman really has some guts. Pretty good thing John Wolfer's out there, though. Huh? He's like, yeah, and Brian Kelly called him a nightmare. I mean, it was, yeah. he's a, it's, look, at this point, though, I think Pete's kind of brought it back to earth a little bit. Like, no matter how much we talk about Wake having a really good offense, they have, they have gone against Towson, Boston College. And that, right. that, and that, they, adds, that and adds up a little bit. This is they, by far the best defense. They struggled facing. offensively yeah. against Tulane in the opener. Well, Which you know, makes sense in an opener for a first Yeah, I guess so. But, but, you know, we talk about uh, Wimbush and, and Book, but there is also talk of Kendall Hinton, uh, and Dave Clawson has indicated that Kendall Hinton will get in the game at some point. I never really liked Hinton except that he played very well against... Not, not, Personally? Played, yeah, <laughs> just like the way that came out. I never really... <laughs> as an athlete, I meant, yeah. uh, not as a student athlete, well... But he uh, he did play well, just for Notre Dame fans wondering what he's done as Wolford's backup. He played pretty well, and this is why I'm couching it. It was Clemson he played pretty well against. They, they lost 28-14, but he didn't turn it over. He ran for like 90 yards, threw for 200 yards. He's capable. Clemson has some guys out there that can mess you up on one of your first career starts, right? So he's a guy that can make plays. I'm, I'm guessing he's going to be... He would be remarkably inconsistent, too, of course. Dortch returned two punts for touchdowns against Towson. I think somebody asked, I, I don't know that it made it into our questions, but I'll slip it in here now. Well, what will be the strategy for Tyler Newsom punting to Greg Dorch? I, I don't kick it into 57th row. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think you want to give him too many chances. If you do, you want, to, you want him catching it up against the sideline so the sideline can be used as an extra defender. I think it, I mean, it's worth noting both Dorch's punt returns for touchdowns were against Towson, right. and his other eight punt returns have averaged five yards per return. So... I, I don't think we're talking about Rocket, no, but, Rocket Ishmael 2.0. No, but I mean, if you see him return, even when it's five yards, you're like, oh, whoop, he, hey, you're yeah, not you quite want, sure you that. It. Yeah. Now, don't hit a line drive 60 yards down the field with a right. two second hang time. Um, you know, that would be bad. But I, Chase Claypool's going to be out there this week. I'm more concerned saying. about Dorch the receiver than Dorch the punt returner. I would agree with that, especially when you pair him up with all those other receivers because yeah. there's a lot of threats out there. All right, we'll be back with a bunch of questions uh, about Notre Dame, the Notre Dame team in general and then Wake Forest, the matchup as well. We'll be back for segment two, Burning Up the Boards. 
Katanzarit Financial Services is a safe harbor providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Katanzarit Financial Services also leads retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Log on to KatanzaritFinancialServices.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the board segment. We start with a question from Private Irish. What do you make of the back and forth between Brian Kelly and Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason over Kelly's, quote, bad football, unquote, comment? It's kind of fun. It's like, what's, it was more interesting than the game itself. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, it, was, it was good football talk and bad football on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, O'Malley, you, you, we talked about this before the press conference on Tuesday, just about... You know, Mac took some really low blows, and I only remember seeing one of them where it was like one guy tried to get low, and then Mac tried to get lower, and they both like sort of just fell down to the ground on top of each other. But the the first time he got cut, I think that's probably the the right term. He got cut. Um, he got flipped. You don't get cut yeah. when you're on offense. That was what the weird thing. Well, but he did just not prepared. But he for he it. wasn't prepared for yeah. it. That's yeah. why yeah. he got flipped. But you shouldn't be prepared for it. No one dives at your knees when you're going to block someone. That's that's an odd thing to see. And that's why I noticed it watching the game. I was like, did you guys see Alizé Mack keep getting hit in the knees? I don't remember watching that happen in any game film I've watched, seeing tight ends, or move, it was always move blocking, mm-hmm. seeing someone be taken out by someone diving at their legs, especially a defender, outside linebacker, defensive end. Now, I understand, we talked to some people, if you have a blocking fullback, the blocking fullback will get taken out because then he can't get to the second right. level. But that had nothing to do with these plays. And so Alzheimer Mack is just out there getting drilled. <laughs> and so, and really, to his credit, for a kid that's really struggled with the nuances of yeah. this this game of football. Oh, I think they targeted Alzheimer Mack. Yeah, I, you said yeah. that during the game, and you're you're probably right on that. But, I, you know, I mean, I give the kid a lot of credit, yes. but... You know, I I think a lot, we've been asked this question by a couple of people, and I think they want us to, like, choose a side. I don't have a side here. Do you? I have a side, and it has nothing to do with the coaches or anything else. If you were playing a football game, and someone come up and hit you as hard as they could, and there's no ref, you're just playing a football game, right? If someone did that to you and there's no ref, you are fighting immediately. You're immediately, I don't care if that's legal or not, you're immediately getting up and fighting the guy that dove underneath your knee when you're going to block him. But it's, but it's not a, a thing that but happens. it's I know but there is there's a specific rule our official uh, that we rely upon every now and then it's in our Thursday thoughts mm-hmm. gave me this specific rule and it's I mean you can do what you they can, do but well why is it in the I know but why why is it in the rule book I, guess, I mean, here's my point when a Navy guy cuts you you should be prepared to be cut by the offensive lineman coming to cut you you're not prepared by the defensive end crashing down and diving at your knee no I mean no one said that what. The DN did to Mac was illegal. Right. Which, right. by the way, it's legal. Who, who was the DN? I kept trying to f- see the number, and I never. I nobody wrote about. It. Nobody can see who the I DN was. Story right here. You do know who yeah, it was. Yeah, was it one of the? I have a video right here. This is great for podcast radio too. Yeah. yeah well, we do that. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think all cut blocks should be eliminated, offense and defense. I've always felt that way. Uh, the Naval Academy wouldn't thrive, and uh, some other programs wouldn't thrive. But I think cut blocks are cut blocks are wrong for football. I've always felt that way and especially feel that way now because now defenses are doing it too. I hope you, won't see, you might not see it again. That's the point. Your I don't know. It might, start, it might start a trend like Marty Biaggi's uh, punt return <laughs> foolery for North Texas. They destroyed Arkansas. Arkansas that was just all part good. of it. No. Arkansas is not good. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, I thought it was strange that Derek Mason sort of like amped it up a level. I mean, I'm surprised that Brian Kelly said anything at all. 
Um, oh, he wanted to say it. When I oh, asked oh him. He yeah. Was, he, he was, was happy. Waiting. He was happy I asked that question. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was surprised that Mason went back at him, um, basically well, challenging him to a fight. Yeah. Well, Mason's wound pretty tight, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> he I mean, was fired up during that game. I don't. It may, there Actually. may be a certain amount of like a Notre Dame Stanford animosity uh, between the. Oh, well, that could oh, be. There definitely is. Yeah. There's certainly, there's like. Uh, yeah. And I, but see, I understand a mutual disrespect. If yeah, you will. I would, I would say that's probably true. But I understand where Mason's come from. He's a, he is, a, he's through and through a defensive coach, and and here somebody is now complaining about cut, cut blocks when that's what defensive players and and he's right about, you know, where your head is and where your eyes are and you're hitting too low, or you're hitting too high. If, I, I, if you're a Kelly, defensive guy, he never said cut though, right? Like Kelly just said it was bad football. You had to dive at some. See, that's how I feel. Yeah, but he said he said it was malicious football by the right. defensive end. He didn't name him, but he said you malicious football by knees. the yeah. It's weird to me. It is, but I, but I, I mean, I, it is weird, but it's still, it's, it is legal. It's just like it's legal with Navy, but I get it. They're, they're not prepared for, it, but maybe now, I'm, I'm sure now, certainly LSA Mack will always be prepared for it in the future. It may start a trend. I don't know. Cut blocks are evil. It's evil to the game of football, and it should be eliminated. It's like the less dangerous thing. You know in basketball when you go for a jump shot and someone runs and puts their head down towards your stomach or shit like this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't come close to the guy, it's legal to do that. But it's Bush. Don't do that. You're going to you're going to have retribution. That's, what, that's how I look at that. Okay, now, I, it's legal, but it is Bush. I agree <laughs> yes, with you. I, I agree part. with that. I agree with that. Very strange. Uh, okay, next question from Go Fight, Go Win Irish. I can live with a lot of things that Wimbush doesn't do well. <laughs> But how is that making the correct decision on the read option? Isn't isn't that something he can grasp after all these years in the program? You would think so on the surface, but I mean, I think that's just part of football recognition. Malik Zaire, hey, believe it or not, Malik Zaire was worse at the read option than Golson Brandon Wilmers. Really, Golson, they couldn't get the mesh point down. Remember, <laughs> there was always a situation where they couldn't get the right mesh point and it wasn't working, and now they ran it less back then. So I don't think that was as big of a deal, but. It is odd to me that Wimbush wouldn't. I think it's it's this, just but. a it, it's just a what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I, you either recognize it or you don't. You either can you either can take the information that your eyes are seeing and make the decision, or you can't. And we've seen obvious, you know, Ian Book's really good at it, and we've seen the opposite in a couple of quarterbacks. And I, I just I, I don't know how to explain it other than human frailty. I, I I don't. I mean, just the inability to to read it. I think it's just a, it's a feel play. Some guys have the feel, and some guys don't. Do it. Brandbush yeah. is kind of one in the, in the don't category. It's it's not like he makes the wrong read every time, um, but he just doesn't make the right read at a high enough percentage for it to be well, a, I, a very well oiled machine kind of offense. I thought what he did against Vanderbilt was he made decisive decisions to keep, and those led to big plays I, or there, good plays. This, so here, this is. Statistically, this is where this really shows up the most. And O'Malley and I have talked about this a bunch. Like plays that don't go anywhere, two yards or less. Fifty-two point six percent of Notre Dame's offensive plays this season have gained two yards or less. That rates one hundred nineteenth nationally. To have that, that includes incomplete passes from yeah, under. that's yeah. all plays. Yeah, yeah. But in this instance. There should be completions off these RPOs. You should be able to read it. If you're reading it out to the full play, it's give it, keep it, throw it. And I think Brandon Wimbush can sort of do the give it, keep it right most of the time. But once you add throw it into it, I think he sort of like I, loses the plot a little bit. And I think, that's, that's I think a real when, challenge. when he's right, it's not that he read it. I think that's just what he chose. I think that he's right when he keeps it. 
at a high percentage. It's the give it, throw it, where it's a little bit more like you just don't really, there's no building from one play to the next. Step two, step three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, and the, the problem is they're not offsetting these negative, or they're not, not negative, they're nothing plays. When you gain two yards, it's a nothing play on first down, basically. With enough big plays, they have 40 plays of 10 yards or more. But they don't have a lot of plays that are going over 25 either. Have, Last year, they had a lot of those plays. They have 40 plays of 10 yards yeah, or more? Yeah, they have 19 runs and 21 passes of 10 yards or more. It's 19% of their competitive snaps. I have that's pretty, 210 I would, competitive snaps. I, mean, I, don't I don't include any kneeling, and I don't where's include... Where's that rank, Pete? You see that? They're going uh, long scrimmage plays. Right. Notre Dame at 40. Right. I mean, I would think that that's yeah, pretty good through three weeks. Uh, where are they? So, plays of... Wait, they. I just have... did 10 yards, not 40. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 10 I'm yards. Sorry. There were 40 plays of 10 yards. 40 yards of 10 plays. 40, 40, 40 plays, plays of 10, 10 yards. yards. Yes. 40 plays of 10 yards is 53rd. Hmm. No, so it's not really... that good. But there's no, also you're... not enough over. The point of the 40 is there's not enough over. A lot of them are closer to 10 and 20 than they are. Forty and like they were. Yeah, last and you're year, not playing. 50. They they you know they play Ball State. I get it, but yeah, they're not playing Towson. Yeah, these stats are a little all over the place mm-hmm. right they now. They play Michigan. That's not a great yeah. figure. Really, get, week four is when you start you start to get into conference play more um, this week. But anyway, I mean, we're getting off the subject of the the question, and that was uh, Brandon Wimbush and. Sometimes he reads it well, and sometimes no. he doesn't. I think sometimes he doesn't read it well, and their name's in a lot of third and sevens because of it, and they're bad at third and six, yeah. third and seven, third and eight. So it, it is kind of relevant that if he doesn't read it well, you're not you're going to get three and outs, as Pete mm-hmm. pointed out. You're going to get th- third and seven, which gives you three and outs. And if you get it, don't get a three and out, and it's a six and out, that's not great either. No. You know, that one first down does not make a drive. No, so it does not. It all adds up. Irish 11-37. Are Notre Dame's linebackers that bad that Coney and Tranquil can't get a rest? I thought in fall camp Bauer was making plays. Doesn't look good for next year. <laughs> well, I think it's a little early to make a determination about next year. Next year's a long, a long, long way away. Um, but I, I, I guess as far as it's a concern that there's the gap is so big between the two that um, they can't come into the game for five snaps. Um, just a couple plays here or there. I think the bigger concern is Notre Dame hasn't been in games where the coaches feel comfortable enough to put them in for five snaps. But they forced everyone with a pulse into that first quarter of the of the Ball State game, except for the backup linebackers. They got nine defense. That's the beginning of the nine defensive linemen thing, which they kept using with Vanderbilt. But I do think that part of it was because it was so hot. They felt we got to keep these guys fresh. Ball State was a great day for football. They played nine guys because they didn't think they were going to need to worry about right. who they were playing. They get stud still in. Um, he barely plays, by the way. He does. He never so gets like, into the nickel. I noticed too. He's he's but got he's a played, little role. He's played but pretty he effectively in a handful of plays that he's he's had. If Bauer and Jones and Shane Simon could play as much as Studstill, this would not be the massive concern people have to ask about every day. And maybe that's why Brian Kelly isn't massively concerned about it. He thinks well, and be fine. and and Jim Markeith was a little bit banged up. We're also hearing about him having some adaptation issues uh, to the the, the uh, buck linebacker position. He's played linebacker for like 10 minutes. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I have a, not to get on a Jim Marquis thing, I also have a theory that when you make a guy gain all that weight to play a new position, yeah. you don't necessarily I mean, how much well. did he gain, though? I mean, he was he was a little bit oversized for safety when the season ended last he year. He gained 12 for spring, and then he said he needed 12 more. I don't know if he made it. Yeah, that's, that's tight weights anymore. You know, but, 25 pounds in a year yeah. is uh, contrary to... Who was it? Uh, the Ball State guy. The Ball State yeah. guy that, uh, from, from South Bend. Probably Pinter. like 375 pounds yeah, by like now. 27 pounds in 23 days. I mean, what? That, that's insane. But, you know, and, and, and uh, Shane Simon, they're, they're uh, 
training him there as well, but he's a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, the drop-off is massive because Coney and Tranquil are so damn good. That is also part of it. Um, and I think something with Tranquil in particular, he is meticulous about his recovery process. I think Coney is maybe not as meticulous because it's impossibly more meticulous <laughs> than Drew Tranquil. He's human about it. Yeah, he's human about it. Um, but I, they're both grad students at this point. Like they don't have full academic loads. They can they can put way more time into football than they've ever been able to put in before. And I think that they're smart. They're smarter about football and recovery than they've ever been before. So I think those two things go together. Where I I'm not as concerned about this as everybody else seems to be. Um, it would be great if Bauer and John Jones and Jordan Jim Markeith and Shane Simon would play a little bit. But um, if there was a position that could handle two guys playing 100% of the snaps over the course of a season, it's the inside linebacker with Tranquil and Coney because of they're older, they're smarter, they can do more recovery. I just think they're better set up to do this than they've ever I don't think before. many teams rotate their inside linebackers. Hey, were we ever talking about Manti Teo rotating? <laughs> I mean, was that in a previous podcast? I don't remember that ever coming up. Yeah, I guess when you're going to play a close game all the time, you yeah, have to worry about the rotation. So the problem is the close game, not the rotation. I do remember Kendall Moore getting in against Navy and looking different than Manti Teo did when he was in there. <laughs> but I will say, um, I didn't see anything in Tranquil. He played great in the fourth quarter. I did write down just in the film review two instances where Tavon Coney didn't look like Tavon Coney. So he did not play a great game, and he wasn't running. There was a, Houston Griffith is faster than Tavon Coney. But at one point, he made it look like he was running past a very slow linebacker yeah. to make a tackle. And there was another where the play that Pete, you pointed out on Twitter where Kareem was held so badly and got hurt and they didn't call it. There was kind of a play, I think, at Bilal's expense. Coney running out there, he wasn't getting him in a year. And that's not the Tavon Coney yeah. we see. So I, I, I think he's probably a little I think reality is somewhere in between Brian Kelly saying, they're young. <laughs> yeah, that, makes gonna, so, that I disagree with. I, I was telling Tim that you know, in high school, my... Our, my high school basketball coach is always, oh, you're young. Yeah, I'm 155 pounds, and I'm a sophomore in high school, and I'm tired. <laughs> I mean, it's like if Notre Dame was, had some teams on the schedule that were, like, staffed by us, then, like, the fact that Tranquil and Cody were young right. might be relevant. But everyone else is also young. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are as well. So, so, so reality is somewhere in between there. All right, this one from Wash MD. It's a quick one. What is more likely Saturday? Wake Forest wins a close one with Notre Dame in the 27-24 range, or Notre Dame blows out Wake Forest? Wake Forest wins a close one. I agree. Yeah, it's on the road, for crying out loud. I mean, I don't – who's expecting Notre Dame to I, – I, could Notre Dame – this is where if, if Notre Dame can get the football downfield through the air, then it could be. But that's not a strength of theirs right now, so I'm def, I would definitely lean towards – they tried that against Ball State. Right, yeah. Until last year, Notre Dame under Brian Kelly or Charlie Weiss or Tyron Willingham has never blown anyone off the road. So last year, all of a sudden, they started ripping teams up. So it would be an odd one for Notre Dame to win this one. He put 45-21. If they do that, I will, for the first time this year, change my opinion of things. If Notre Dame just goes on the road and wins 45-21 at Wake. 45-21 would be pretty it'd solid. It would probably be comparable to the Michigan State game yeah. last year, where at Michigan State, I think, was a moment where we're like, oh, all right. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um, if they do to Michigan State, 
but they do and they do to Wake Forest what they did to Michigan yeah. State. I might feel different. Do you think them. Wake Forest is only going to score twenty one points? No, this was just an example. No, I know. I'm just, if I'm just saying. Fifty five to thirty, will be pretty impressed too, though. No, you know, it's possible. I mean, to rip them up. Yeah, I, th- I think you know, as as good as Notre Dame's defense is and is trending, you you as a observer of this, you might want to prepare yourself for the potential for thirty points by Wake Forest, especially. I would almost guarantee something like that as the game progresses if Notre Dame gets away from Wake Forest. Wake's not going to stop. They have an offense that will just score eventually against your tired team. When you're, if, if Notre Dame's beaten up Wake, Wake is going to get their points at the end just like last year. That's right. the type of offense. And the other thing to consider is that this is still Mike Elko's defense in essence. And who would know it better than Wake Forest and Dave Clawson, right? There's some truth to that. Yeah. I mean, but... They were they did almost nothing in the first half of the game here last year yeah. when you had a better quarterback. Um, so I mean, and, you know, Julian Love kind of rope a dope John Wolford into that and almost pick six. Um, I would think that a quarterback with a few steps down in experience versus a few corners with steps up in experience would would play well for Notre Dame. That. Clark Lee should be able to bait Wake Forest into a, a substantial turnover at some point. CMU Penn's fan, other than tempo, what should be the biggest concern the ND defense has about the Wake Forest offense? I man, I mean the depth of wide receiver and the physicality of the running backs. And Dorch, the playmaker. Some, Cal uses game wrecker about every other game for the best player on the other team. I think Dorch is one. He's a guy that just can make a lot of plays, man. I mean, it's you can you can be on him and he can shake a tackle. And this would have been a fun one, Sean Crawford and Dorch. It might be, and we talked about this a little bit, might be a lot of Julian Love and Dorch in the slot because he is by far their best nickel on the team. Well, we have a it question. Depends we, on how much it yeah, we have, stuff, we, yeah, we have a question about that. That uh, Let's go ahead and follow up with that um, from Phil Rister4. Do you think we see more Houston Griffith, Nick Coleman, or Asmar Bilal this week on defense since Wake is a little more wide open. I still don't understand the Nick Coleman situation from last week. Um, <laughs> I mean, could, good guys can have disciplinary issues too, right? Like he could have not taken the coaching and they could have said, all right, you're not playing, right? Well, can, okay, yes. so he doesn't match up well to Lipscomb. Why not? Does Griffith match up I mean, Griffith did. Well, I mean, no, no. <laughs> athletically, Griffith, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's athletically Griffith does. He's just a freshman and he looked like one running around out there yeah. sometimes. But athletically, there's a difference. I mean, the sure. whole idea of Coleman was to... I mean, that's more of a bang with it. He didn't play special it. teams. It's very strange. No, it is. No, I'm he not did. denying like, that. It could be something where you just, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I it, can't imagine. He came out Wednesday for interviews, so it must have happened after that. Right. Well, and then here's the other, I mean, Bilal, you know, you can't, if they're running tempo the way they want to run tempo, you can't substitute during that series. So Bilal, Bilal has to play too because somebody's got to tackle Colburn and Carney yeah, too. Yeah, you can't always start out in nickel on first down. Right. That's when they get you at tempo. You get your base out there. That's why there's. I mean, they're they've got a great plan on offense. Well, that's why tempo is a good equalizer in that. It kind of frustrates, I'm sure, people sometimes if Notre Dame doesn't use it. I don't. I don't mind not using tempo all the time. But the thing about tempo is, if you run and you gain three, and you're up tempo, and you want to pass, they can't get their nickel in. That's kind of how tempo works. Sometimes it seems like Notre Dame's tempo is after a big after a good play. Now let's run tempo, but there's not a lot of tempo when it's second and ten from Notre Dame. Whereas I think that's that's a good point. Wake is going tempo on second and ten, and you still have Bilal in instead of your nickel. Yeah, I I would think that playing Nick Coleman almost almost even like starting Nick Coleman and having nickel be your base uh, this weekend would make sense because I think Nick Coleman has sort of seen how it all fits together, how it all works. Um, 
I don't understand what was going on last weekend. I think that playing Houston Griffith more this weekend would probably be a mistake. I agree with you. Because um, I think the thing with Houston Griffith that you really see when you watch him is, one, he's a really good athlete, but two, doesn't have a great feel for like where the sticks are at all times. Like if, I, if it's third and six, don't drop to nine yards. You know, play it yeah. at six yards. And But that's that's what happens with freshmen. The game's going a million miles an hour. So now you have a game naturally going a million miles an hour for a freshman against a team that plays a million miles an hour. Like, that that would really build on itself. I don't think it would be healthy uh, for an defense or Houston Griffith. That's where Nick Coleman could be really valuable. I I, I mean, I agree with Tim. I, I, think, I think Julian Love is the answer mm. if you have to. Yeah, I think Love at slot with Vaughn at boundary is a little more <laughs> palpable for me than just decide to see if Nick Coleman can cover Dorch the whole time and leave in love where he is on the outside. But it's a good question to ask Kelly tonight. One of us will. Does it mm. kind of mess with your scheme and just kind of the feel of things when, when you've moved Love off the boundary where he obviously completely excels? I think they could play Love. Yeah. But can Vaughn Rocky play the boundary yeah. better than Coleman can cover Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's where I agree question. with you, Tim. Uh, it, it, the trade-off there. At... At training underscore Dave, do you think Notre Dame will be able to exploit the backup left tackle and get some quarterback pressure? Is this a possible way to slow down the tempo? The, I mentioned at the top of the, the, the podcast, Justin Heron, their veteran left tackle, is out. Uh, the inexperienced player now, I believe, is Nathan Gilman, who moved from guard to right tackle, and the right tackle moved to left tackle. So I think the right tackle is the one to exploit in this instance. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the year, I sort of track quarterback under pressure, quarterback not under pressure. It's a judgment call, but the way that I've seen it is quarterback under pressure this year, it's about roughly 25% of the snaps, and those quarterbacks are, yeah, 24% of the snaps. 12 of 34 for 99 yards, a touchdown, two interception, the five sacks, obviously. So they're averaging 2.9 yards per attempt. It's almost like pressure is bad for the offense. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's like, let's put a number on something that's freaking obvious. <laughs> but that is a, uh, you know, I think they'll pressure the quarterback quite a bit. That is why, I mean, that's, that's why I'm not predicting Wake Forest to beat Notre Dame, because I think Notre Dame's defense is going to also have a good game. I think I'm, I'm building on that. Shea Patterson and Riley Neal were awful under pressure, whereas... Your boy? Yeah. Shermer. Yeah. My guy Shermer last week was, was really quite good. Um... I don't think that is going to hold true with Sam Hartman this week. He will be much more Riley Neal and Shea Patterson. Yeah, he's a, he's he's uh, he's he has like no fear. He's a freshman. It's like he's going to throw some. He's going to try to two picks. Yeah, the, mark the, it down. Two the, picks. The tightest win, but window you can imagine. He might try to throw it in. One thing to keep in mind: they do run the the the, the slow uh, evolving read option, where they kind of let the offensive line get some movement, and he reads. A little bit, uh, you know, a count or two longer. Ooh, a message board favorite. This is my nightmare. The slow game developing run play. <laughs> there it is. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's different because it's read option. It's not. It's not quite. Uh, yeah, it's not like a, a slow developing stretch play. Do they uh, run a ton of bubble screens? I like watching those too. You that do. Be, You're a big fan of those. Great. But that, I mean, that'll be something. To, you'll see. It's like he now. Now maybe that maybe that was because Wake Forest was able to get so much push against Boston College's defensive line. They won't be able to get as much push against Notre Dame's defensive line, but um, yeah, two picks. He'll force something. He'll for, because he's going to have to. It's it's he's going to have to, and he will at some point. Way to go, K Man! 
Over under, 93.5 plays for Wake Forest. Over. Over for sure. I think it goes over because it goes over, at, as I said, if Notre Dame gets away from them, it definitely goes over because you keep going. And then if it's a good game, I think they're in that range, right? They're going up to it. And I'm going to say I'm going to follow Julian O'Quara's lead here and and say that they'll <laughs> get to, yeah, yes yes <laughs> stand up and walk away. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm I'm going to take. I was going to say something about Julian O'Quara in interviews. He was yeah he, he likes that, he likes him about as much as Jerry Tillery does. Uh, I'll take the under on the on the 93. I will go over. Triple overtime. No, I, I will go over. Uh, but, I, but for my reason, I think Notre Dame gets away a little and Wake has an offense to make it close in this game. All right, last question from Jay Jalwine. JJ Allwine, probably. <laughs> Barring a loss. We could read over these before. Sorry, man. We, sorry. <laughs> sorry. JJ Allwine. Barring a loss, is there any type of outcome this weekend that would change your perception of the season moving forward? What would you need to see to be optimistic versus Stanford and Virginia Tech? I. I am optimistic right now about, about yeah. it. <laughs> but. I mean, a loss is not – because Notre Dame has played poorly in week two and not really well last week overall, I think a loss really knocks them way down nationally. So all you can do is not lose your first road game. So a loss, even though – Oh, you're saying barring a, a loss. I know. I was just thinking about a loss here. Um if we're predicting close wins, I mean, a loss is possible to a yes, row, you know. So it I is. guess it doesn't change your mind of the team that much. I am optimistic of both those games. I never thought Notre Dame would win them both. I don't, and either one, either either you two, before the season started. So I would still feel the same way. I feel like the Stanford defense that we thought was going to have real huge issues against Notre Dame, I kind of saw that as a really high-scoring game before the season. I don't see that anymore, but I feel like the defense... Stanford's Stanford, settling in a little bit. They'll be able to handle the, the, the offense that gains two yards on yeah, twenty percent of its place. So that's that's kind of the how I look at that one. Um, this, this goes in line with a, kind of a follow-up question by ND Football, or NDFB. After the first three games, have your expectations changed, or is it, would you say, playoffs, New Year's Bowl, and not the fake New Year's Bowl... Nine wins or like a bad seven six win. I still feel, feel very champ sports y right now. Which is nine wins. Nine and three. Yeah. That's all I, I I I don't I haven't seen anything to sway me one way or another. And I don't you know, now you get into the games now that they won the first three, of course. Now you get into the games where your opinion can be swayed. Yeah, I thought well I thought both the ball state thing was weird because I figured they'd kill them. Um they didn't I thought they might prepare at one point during the season or during the week before, but I guess it didn't happen for anybody. But uh, intentional, intentional, preparation. Yeah, intentional preparation was not there by anyone. I put that um, in today's. I figured Vanderbilt and Wake would be close, like in the off season. I just thought I've I've seen the Vanderbilt team come into Notre Dame Stadium every year, even though they don't play them every year. There's a Vanderbilt team walks in every year and plays that game against Notre Dame for all of the last 25 years, and it happened again. <laughs> That's exactly what Notre Dame does once a year against a. Middling Power Five program, they don't play well at home with a spread of fourteen points. Yeah, a spread of fourteen points, and that's why they're over life under Kelly yeah. for covering those things. So that didn't shock me. This won't shock me when it's close either. Um, the big surprise would be emerging from those other two undefeated. Well, the, right, but yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Huge, d- right? yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, definitely. I mean, you change your mind, and I, that's the way we Six felt in the preseason. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I do. Tech is we, better than we thought. Or I, maybe I, not, but Tech. I think tech, tech is better than we thought on Labor Day weekend, and now is not as good as <laughs> yeah, we thought on Labor Day weekend because Florida State is 
yeah, they're, total they're disaster. disaster. I don't think we know how good Virginia Tech is. They, they yeah. only they they got uh, hurricane out last week, and they don't play anybody. Well, they played Duke. I think they're at Duke, and yeah. so that, would that really could put a that could on that game yeah that that was. really would. But to stick to the cat question, what would we need to see to be optimistic versus Stanford Virginia Tech? I mean, I you know, a it's, it's win pretty with great much. Defense and, I mean, forty-five twenty-one Notre Dame would really be the ability to throw the, the the ability to take advantage of Wake Forest shortcomings in the the, the deep passing game, uh, the c- continued evolution of the offensive line, which I thought got rolling a little bit last week. Although Grant Kelly mentioned the movement uh, that Wake Forest presents is similar to Ball State. Who's so not moving, by the way? I know that drives me kind of one of those. Well, things. I, I mean, apparently crazy. Vanderbilt, not to the extent that these two teams do. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I asked Mustafer just sort of about like how he felt like the offensive line played last week, and he, he said that they communicated better, um, which is you know one of those things you sort of have to take their word at because we're not down. And if even if we heard what they were communicating, we wouldn't know what the hell they were talking about. What did you think about their communication <laughs> on tape, Tim? Was their communication good on tape? On um, tape? It was outstanding. <laughs> but I will say I didn't they see were a lot of fizz. free rushers. I felt like Wimbush had a better pocket to throw from, um, and there were some plays where the like we I think you talked about the you felt like sometimes they make some unnecessary double teams and like the guy doesn't peel off. Right. I thought like the ability to like hit a double team a guy and then somebody peel right. off was much better last week too. It's like you could see what they were trying to accomplish in their run plays. But um, I, I I wonder at the end of the year if this three game stretch where which we've only viewed it cast as a two game stretch and Wake Forest is really actually a three game stretch that Wake Forest is maybe better than we gave them credit for in Stanford and Virginia Tech. We're just not really sure about this game's tricky to me. It is, especially because it's on the road. I would also like to see the the wide receivers have a better day than they did last week. Miles Boykin really struggled against Joan Williams. You know, his one pass, Joan Williams was the one reception. Joan Williams wasn't, wasn't on, on him. him. No, yeah. that was, uh, so that, that was, was really tight. That dude, that yeah. dude's really good. Really knows how to use his body uh, and the sideline as a defender. He's really good. He's got great size. But you know, I mean, the way I felt after three games, as as the world was crumbling on a lot of Notre Dame fans. I mean, I was just happy Ball that State made that happen. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I was I was just happy they're three and zero. Well, I mean, when you consider when you had three one score yes. games, and and again, let's remember they still have not trailed in a football game yet. The only that could that Alabama change. has trailed in a football game. Yeah. <laughs> See, the only huh? time, See? <laughs> we talked about this Monday, but the only time Notre Dame's season seemed in jeopardy from one of these games was when Lipscomb had two hands on that ball before he fell to the ground. You yes. just thought, that's a problem, because yeah. they were going in. <clears throat> um, prediction. Game prediction. I'll start. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> uh, quickly, Notre Dame first road game. Record under Brian Kelly. Three and five. Points scored first road game under Brian Kelly. They're two and six, actually, by the way. <laughs> what? Two and six. Oh, my goodness. But the losses are Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Florida State. That's kind of fake, by the way. First road game was Florida State. Texas. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three and five. Yeah, that's what I thought. He was all over it. Point totals. First road game. You're never going to believe this. This is nuts. 31, 31, 20 and a win. 31, 28, 34, 47, and 49 on the road in their first road game. It just doesn't seem like that's happened, does it? Hmm. 34, 27, Notre Dame. They hold off Wake. Okay. Points. Points. They, they go into the whatever it's BB&T called place. stadium. Yeah. I did enjoy the line BB&T of questioning field. about like no, are field. you in, uh, field field. Oh, yes. It's not even a stadium. No, it's a field. Did they still bring the Harley in? 
Do you think? Remember that? I hope so. I hope so too. That was the highlight of the last. Well, night. Wait a minute. The field. There's probably a. There's a name for the stadium. It's like thirty thousand people, right? Yeah, thirty six seven zero eight with a massive jumbotron. It seemed massive when we were there. <laughs> oh, we didn't because Notre Dame didn't have one, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is so. I think when we go back, we'll be like, "This is like the old thirty-two inch tube TV that you had in like nineteen eighty-seven. You're like, "Wow, what a TV!" Remember the jokes the whole time was when Brian Kelly's going to walk in. Come on, we were, we're trying to watch. Uh, <laughs> we were trying to watch Alabama LSU the right. uh, the nine, nine, nine six game. Yeah, whatever it's a quaint. It's a quaint little place. It was pretty cool at night. I'll have a different uh, different feel to it. At, Noon when it's eighty five degrees. Did I hear something about chance of rain? There's yes. a ton of, there's a ton of. Uh, it'll be so that means humidity uh, to go with it. So, <laughs> a lot of snaps. Got to deal with it. Manti Taylor, you're gonna have to play all the snaps. <laughs> uh, as your prediction, I'll stick with Notre Dame, but I'll go even tighter than O'Malley with thirty three thirty one. Um, I think this is a game that will be. I think Notre Dame will trail in the game. That was my dream prediction. That will happen. Um, <laughs> it will get tense, and Ian Book will play more than he's played all year. I agree with that last part. I thought you were really going to go double down on yes. Ian Book playing more than yeah. something else. I agree with all those things. I think the the most interesting thing is the the uh, uh, over under has gone up. That's the tougher one because I am the king of the over under, and I can't pick Notre Dame to save my life. So yeah. I, I cling to that. Desperately, um, I haven't made up my mind. I got a, a, a radio show this afternoon. I'll have to make a pick. And I thought he and was about to pull. I haven't made up my mind on me no. either. And I was like, wait a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> he can do no. He can do that now. I know. He That's can what do he's that. got a preview to yeah. write, So I thought yeah. it was going to happen. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I still think high scoring. Uh, I mean, everything points to high scoring. But you know what happens when everything points to high scoring? But I still say the over. And uh, I am going to pick Notre Dame to win. I believe. Yes, I will pick Notre Dame to win because John Wolford's not the quarterback anymore. But uh, but we'll see. It'll be fun. It'll be exciting. We're looking forward to going on the road. You yes. know how our sp- this, uh, sports writers like to get on the road after three home games. Despite our lack of laser yeah. focus. You know, yeah, yeah, we had a quote. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Did we have a question on Monday about would they be better off going on the road? And, and I downplayed it. And then Drew Tranquil said, man, we're really looking forward to going on. Going on the road, but you know, I mean, like every, I think like everybody, you know, I mean, it's kind of exciting to mm-hmm. to head out. And if you are a listener and you're flying into either Charlotte, Greensboro, or Raleigh, you could see one of the three uncoordinated uh, members of this podcast in those airports because yes. we plan well together. All right, we will. Uh, we're looking forward to heading out to Winston Salem. I'm the one flying into uh, Greensboro, and uh, I will be in Winston Salem with Tim, and Pete will be there as well. After I drive up from Charlotte. <laughs> After he drives from Charlotte, and O'Malley be coming in from Raleigh, but uh, we'll be there for Notre Dame Wake Forest Saturday at noon. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.